the discipline of empathy or the practice of empathy, I think is, is you, you need to have that in your daily life as a human. And I think then you can apply that to a brand. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out Be Original with Isley Creative, where we take a behind the scenes look at the world of effective marketing. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. Welcome back everybody to the Be Original Podcast. My name is OJ. And I'm Christian. And we are joined today by a very special guest. He is the Director of Innovation at CISO. He also is building a portfolio of other companies. He's an old college buddy. He's passionate about building brands that mean something. He's a pretty, he has a pretty impressive resume, and we are really excited to have him, Luke Frederick, everyone. Welcome, Luke Frederick, to the Be Original podcast. The crowd goes wild. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. He is pretty, too. You're he is letter. very pretty. He's <laughs> oh, very pretty. <laughs> Mr. Dapper Dan over there. I love it. Thanks for coming on, bro. Yeah, love to be here, man. So, so I kind of we just kind of want to talk through a couple things, but I feel like, uh, you know, I want the audience to get to know who you are as a person. So let's go back a little bit, um, as far as back as you want. Let's talk about how you got your start, where you're at today, and kind of uh, go from there. Yeah, um, I'd say when I was a kid, we'll go back to when I was. In diapers. Yeah, uh, nice. Just kidding. It's gonna be a Perfect. long podcast. <laughs> when I was, he's not that old <laughs> yet. Freaking long. <laughs> uh, I always, when I was a kid, man, I always did stuff that um, would get people excited or move people in a direction. So I remember being, uh, I was about eight years old, and we put this little uh, circus together, kind of like a carnival thing in my yard, and then I invited the entire neighborhood, and then uh, we had all these rides we made out of like random things around the house and collected all this money from people. Then I gave it to the local library for books or something like that. Uh, so I've always had that, that itch inside of me and that curiosity almost to, to see what we could build. Um, and then, you know, growing up then we had uh, turned our whole, we had a five acre hobby farm, turned that into a golf course uh, before it's, I've just always been building companies or ideas or, you know, concert ideas or whatever it was, depending on what I, how old I was or what I was doing. So it's always been something I've done. I'm, I love to build things, create things, um, get people excited about something and, and going in a direction. So, um, yeah. And I'm, I'm now 38 married for 13 years, uh, live in Minneapolis and I uh, started really getting into the business world 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, when I started my first agency. And then, um, you know, fast forward 10 years now, I've got multiple companies and uh, just love finding product opportunities in a marketplace, getting the right strategic partners, capital, putting it all together, getting the right um, scale up team, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, just putting that all together is just, it, it, it sometimes it's like a symphony and it's just beautiful when it works. And it's fun when it fails, you know, you learn from it. And um, they say failure is a good thing. I think the cadence of failure is the most important thing. You know, so in my life, I try to learn from failure. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're failing at the same frequency, you know, if you keep failing at the same interval, uh, you're not learning. So uh, not afraid of failure, but also don't hide behind it as, you know, a, a, oh, I fail. Therefore, I'm a great business owner. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to learn from it. You got to grow. You get better. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. 
So talk a little bit about I know uh, it's intriguing to me mainly because I you know I'm I love business and what you're what you're doing now. So you have CISO, who is well, is one of your companies, but it, it also is a one of many companies that you are currently trying or in pursuit of. Correct? How does that How yeah. does that work? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's super confusing to people. Um, and <laughs> my wife actually, my wife gets really mad at me because when we go to like dinners or something, and her call, so people can understand it. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to put definition around it. I, I have, um, I do the same thing in every vertical. And as I create product and opportunity, I put the right strategic partners together and the capital together and all of that. So what happens in life, you know, as you meet people and build relationships, see new opportunities form and business is about being consistent and in the same place every day. So when an opportunity comes, you can act on it. Right. So uh, when opportunities come, I act on it. I, I, you know, if, uh, for instance, I was just sitting down with one of our investors and I asked him, what are you doing? He explained to me this whole new thing they're doing with importing minerals and then um, distributing that to different verticals. And I'm like, hey, I want in on that. It's like, okay, sounds good. So then I started building businesses around that that raw material. You know, and we're in the, in the middle of process, uh, in the middle of building those brands right now, and then we'll launch those. But that just came out of relationship, right? And you you just go, I want to be a part of that. That sounds great. Um, and then I do the same thing in every in every instance, right? I'm always I'm a I'm a builder of businesses in that sense. Yeah. So some people see it as like, oh, you're, you're in this vertical and then this vertical, what are you doing? It's like, no, I'm doing the same thing. Interesting. I'm building a company, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what uh, I guess CISO is probably the one that you've talked about the most, at least when you and I have been communicating over the last week or so. What is CISO and what do they do? What's, uh, what, what vertical are they in? Yeah, so my friend purchased CISO five years ago from the original founder. Um, it works in the K-12 space. So it's a consultancy that does, started out as transportation logistics. Uh, and then quickly my, my uh, good friend saw the opportunity to do not only like logistic, communication, marketing, consulting, facilities, finance, all of that. So we brought in the service offerings um, to K-12 and then uh, brought those into brought those product offerings and service offerings to our existing client base um, and then have been hiring just a ton of really top talent, uh, high, high level individuals to, to kind of bring us to market in those different verticals. So K-12 space, we work with, you know, more than half, I don't know the exact percentage, but more than half of Minnesota schools uh, wow. in some capacity. So, Very cool. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. So I'm, I'm on board with that one too, to innovate the product and then help with the cross uh, selling between the verticals and then bringing it uh, national. So we have a big national rollout strategy. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I first reached out to you, the reason we reached out to you was because our, I think about a year ago, you and I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like once a year you and I connect, uh, or at least once every other year, just kind of text or whatever, LinkedIn, and uh, just say what's up. Obviously, you and I go way back just from North Central days, but I was a confused, troubled kid, and you were always that uh, kind of that uh, good role model that was in my life. And you were on staff at Journey, or at First Assembly at the time, but then... 
I'm pretty sure that you were at North Central when I was when I when I went there to first start. And you were one of the guys that always like pulled me aside and be like, "What are you doing? Why are you <laughs> acting like a retard? <laughs> Why are you acting so special?" And it's like, oh, well, hey. I uh, <laughs> I just didn't have any direction in my life. <laughs> For like, me, it was why. Why are you uh, singing, playing guitar with shoes on? You should take your shoes off. There's more freedom in that. Off, <laughs> you were the Dave Matthews of North Central he, with your carpets and all your stuff, right? <clears throat> but yeah, uh, we, what was that? Was that we tried to have some vibes to it? You know? you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good times. It. But uh, anyways, going back, the reason why we talked, uh, we've been talking is because you owned and operated an agency to a certain level. And I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've learned now uh, over the course of the last you know, five, four or five years in your own development. Yeah. Um, you know, everything that we're talking about on this podcast this season um, has really focused around the human connection. And I think you're... I mean, that's right up your alley that, 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 uh, you know, being able to connect with other humans on a human level. And that was a big thing for us and in this podcast and everybody that we've been talking to. And I kind of, I just kind of want to get to know a little bit more about, um, you know, I think you and I were talking in your pre-interview about empathy was a big thing for you and, and, and that using that in marketing and how that is all intertwined and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. What? Uh, um, so, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, go finish your thought. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. Empathy. I mean, empathy is what. Um, man, it drives everything. You know, every every good business model and every good business plan solves a pain point, right? I mean, business at the end of the day is uh, you've got a solution that helps somebody's pain and solves something for them, convince them to buy it, and then you support support the product or service once they buy it, you know? So, yeah. but all of that really good product always comes from empathy. It comes from, you know, and even like uh, intuitive empathy, right? Knowing ahead of time what that person might be dealing with that they don't even know, you know? Uh, empathy is definitely, when I started doing that with the agency stuff, that's when um, actually opportunities started opening up for businesses for me. Because mm. clients would, clients, because I would put myself in their shoe and be like, no, nah, you don't need a website, man. You got a product problem. Yeah, oh, your product's not positioned correctly in the marketplace. You know, so um, I could build you a website and take your money, but then I don't know how effective it's going to be. And so that empathy is what allows you to go. I don't want them to give me their money. I want them to to rethink their products position in the market, and then maybe if the website's the right thing, then we do it. You know, and hmm. uh, having that. Uh, posture when you when you work with clients in my mind has always worked really good huh. yeah that's an interesting approach yeah i feel like i feel like generally speaking we we when we kind of reevaluate reevaluated what we were doing what we were offering we recognize that we're not like we're not in this to make videos or to make pic you know like beautiful pictures and yeah, this and yeah. that like that's great and it's a passion but that's not why we're doing this we're doing this because we have a passion for building business and helping other businesses build Bro, that yeah. and so like you said we're right yeah. we, we've been trying to recognize pain points in marketing like what is the struggle what's keeping businesses from growing <clears throat> and getting out there and that's that's kind of where we've 
we've come to the point we are today where we're offering content packages and things like that where it's you know we're we're not asking you for you know fifty thousand dollars for a commercial anymore we're telling you that's probably not worth it at this point you know what's more worth it is you know a hundred dollars for x amount of content you know what i mean that that kind of deal because we've recognized that again it's it's not for us it's not about our art for us it's about building their business mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> so it's just really that's, hard, that's, a hard, that's a hard um mindset to step into you know yeah. i think a lot of i mean let's be real creatives are pretty emotional humans <laughs> they usually are pretty offended if you don't like their idea yep <laughs> uh, so uh, that's to, to to make that transition is a it's a big step yeah yeah i feel like yeah. i feel like going back to it it's more like I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we we just keep harping on it every every episode, and it's it's trying to it's that balance between like what you said. It's that balance between product or, or service, whatever industry they're in, and and really getting to know who their clients are, but at the same time, it, you know, expressing who they are in the marketplace and pl- and placing them in a position of authority. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, they have to be approachable. Like it's just this huge balancing act of where businesses have to play that really weird role of trying to figure out where it all fits within their organization. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think to the big piece and I, I got out of the agency game because I was so tired of working with clients who wouldn't listen and just, <laughs> they just did whatever they wanted anyways. And they just wanted you to come in and design the picture of their cat on their website, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just got so annoyed with it. I'm like, I just, I'm done. I don't. And then I found a couple clients that, you know, I could really work with well. And, um, and then some of those turned into business opportunities, you know. So I'm not the best in the sense of like creating a, I'm not the best person to give advice on how to create a service company that, you know, sticks with the client long term. Because I just got annoyed. Because Strength Finders is Futurist Activator Command Strategist. So I just, I get annoyed. Yeah. Just like, come on, guys. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, like even in staff meetings, I'm just like, okay, cool. What's our next step? Like, uh, great. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that so. test that you told me to take that you just said. Strength finders. Yeah. You didn't take that? You've I never didn't. done that? I, oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. Aye, aye, aye. I, I feel like I've taken a version of it at some point in time. I don't remember what it was called, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Sweet 16 magazine, you know. Oh, girl, you those don't that. Kind of no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I've been doing those all my life. I know you still have that result under your bed at home, OJ. I do, I know. You I pull do, it out at too. night and you be like. Yes. I, I look do. good in blue, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I think you could speak very well to existing businesses, though, on you know how important is this to to bring the correct product with the right people to the right market and actually get it out there. You know what what is it like? What is it from your perspective when you're building these businesses? How how are you marketing them? How are you pushing their brand to a new level? How are you ensuring that your the the dollars you're spending on marketing or whatever other avenues that you're spending to build these businesses, you know, how do you know they're working for you? You know, the dollars are actually doing something. Wow. That's a big question, man. Um, you know, for me, it's feedback. So it's like, what, um, what, what are your feedback loops? What are you, 
if you have a product or a service you're putting into the marketplace, what are your listening events to know that that product's really solving uh, the pain points? Um, and, and those listening events could be surveys. It could be, you know, conversations on the phone. It could be sure. uh, analytics that you're analyzing, all that kind of stuff. But just kind of knowing and listening to it. But that's a million-dollar question, right? I mean, that's what se separates the guys and gals who are making it with those who aren't. Um, you know, for me, I always, I always, and this is super cliche, but I try to deconstruct everything down to a singularity and then I rebuild it back up with today's tools or opportunities uh, in the marketplace. Um, and a lot of times when I do that, you know, you might end up with the same product, but sometimes you end up with a different product. Um, yeah. And then you gotta, you gotta be willing to kill the, kill the, the, the favorite product you might have if you've got that. Um, mm -hmm. That's tough. You know, it, it's so hard because if, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of an agency again, the client has poured their life into their company. Yeah. And Tis Wrong is very arrogant. You know, I mean, they know their pro they know their company well. So you have to develop trust. And so for me, I think it's a crawl, walk, run, right? You've got to, if you truly have empathy, you truly care about your clients and you truly are putting them before your product. Um, you need to prove that to your client over time. You need to create small wins. Um, I did that by doing extra work that they didn't pay for, but I knew they needed, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that to them shows like, oh my gosh, this guy is not just going to put an invoice together or, you know, whatever, send me bills all day long. He's actually thinking outside the box for me. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that positions you as a part of their team and as a strategist in their mind. Um, which is really important. You have to reinforce that over and over and over again. And then, and then when you have their trust and you know their industry better, then you could start to maybe make some recommendations sure. know, as, a, as a marketing agency. But then know your lane too. Some marketing agencies, they're not good with products. Right. Develop. They're good with telling story. So yes. just do that. You know, if, if, yep. you're, if you're, you know, the, the, the agencies that are, have executive leadership that is more strategic in mind and, and thinking through, um, that's the type of service they're going to offer. It's going to lean more towards, uh, you know, product dev stuff. Um, but those who aren't and are just masterful storytellers, they're going to be the ones who come alongside and just say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell your, your product in a way that connects to your audience um, mm -hmm. and, and, and removes your preconceived ideas of what you think they want, which I think is a big hurdle agencies have to come over or help clients come over is uh, this assumption that they know their their customers really well? Yeah. Usually they don't. They have they have uh, somebody that they knew um, or a voice that was the loudest in their ear complaining, and all of a sudden that forms who their customer is, yep. their customer persona. And so you've got to help them kind of rethink that and go, no, 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 that's not actually what's going on. That's not your core customer. You know. Hmm. Yeah. What if you? So okay, if you flip that perspective from the non-agency side. Um, I think a lot of businesses have, or corporations in general, have. There's a stigma around marketing agencies, right? Typically, that you may they may not understand their business, and and you know, are you ever going to actually open the door to allow that trust to be built? You know, so I, I I see a lot of turnover, like agency turnover, with lots of companies that are just constantly cycling through agencies. Or they have things split, work why, split. Why do they do that though? Like, hit that right there. That turnover, I've heard mm -hmm. that a lot too. Is that coming from um, 
a, a company hiding behind the agency for bad marketing decisions. So it's like you you can change agencies in and out and keep your job, right? Because then it's not your fault. You right. point to the agency <laughs> and say, well, the agency screwed up. You know, let's get rid of them and let's bring in this group. You know, yeah. um, is that what's going on? Or, or it could be. I just I wonder if it's a balance of of bad experience on both sides of it. You know, where like you you hire an agency and you trust them with everything, and they just drive things to the ground, or they just you know hike up the prices, charge astronomical amounts per hour for everything and don't seem to have the best interests in mind, which I think is actually more normal than we want to admit. But then on the flip yeah. side of it, you know, like you're saying, is it, is it on the, you know, the business and maybe your CMO <laughs> doesn't fully know what they're doing, or maybe somebody under them doesn't. And it's this like missing link between the two. Um, and how do you, I guess, how do you open up to trust an agency or, you know, like, let's just say you were looking for some sort of agency or company to work with your, one of your businesses. How do you build that? How do you make that selection? It's not just, they do pretty work, you know, like anybody can get a photographer and a videographer and a designer to make really cool looking stuff. Um, and a copywriter to write things that are convincing, but how do you know that you're going to build a rapport or a trust both ways? to find a successful way to to show the world your product or your business yeah i think for me i mean how i do it is i have an in-house agency now at CISO, so i just use them yeah that's not easy i just you know i handpick the guys and gals and um you know they're they know and trust and they work on our my brand so it's it's easy that way for me um i don't know that's a great question man and i'm I've never been in the position of corporate America having to make those type of decisions. I've always been in the small business, startup, mid-sized mm-hmm. business kind of scale-up stuff. So I've never had to put that um, that question into my mind. I've never had to think that way. Mm-hmm. As an agency, you know, I, I also always worked with small business to mid-sized. I never worked in the corporate. Never, never really had, you know. Um, we got a ton of uh, big corporations here in Minneapolis. Never worked with many of them. Did mm-hmm. like small little side things, and, and agencies always go, yeah, "I worked with you know Target," and it's like, "Well, yeah. you did one little email footer, and now you say you had them as a brand." It's like, "No, you didn't." You, didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't. <laughs> you just look yeah. the fool, you know. I love um, it. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, everybody watching right now is like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. You know, like eighty percent of your portfolio is just total BS. That's true. Um, so, uh, during our pre-interview, uh, call you and I had, I want to bring it back. We had talked pretty in length about empathy specifically. I feel like that was you, right? Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> mm-hmm. get, I did you. a lot in the last two weeks, so it's hard to keep them all straight. Um, <clears throat> but I want to talk more about that from your perspective. Like what is that when we talk about, from a marketing standpoint, when you're talking your all of your brands, right, and approaching it with empathy, and, and, and we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but how practically, how do we put that into practice for a brand when talking about whether it's a product, a product or a service? Hmm. It starts with yourself, right? The discipline of empathy or the practice of empathy, I think, is, is you, you need to have that in your daily life as a human. Sure. And I think then you can apply that to a brand. So um, 
you know, you got to have that internal conversation of there's in this world. Is it you being happy or is it the world around you being affected by yourself is, you know, I mean, you just, that's more of a spiritual question in my mind, but um, those who can do that and unlock that personal empathy have an easier time in my mind at, uh, adding that to their business practice or yeah. how they approach business, you know, so. That's um, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you know, at the end of the day too, I mean, empathy is just, it's, it's not complex, right? You're just saying, I'm going to put myself in their shoes. Yep. You know, what, what does that look like? Now you've got, you've got diversity issues, right? Like, so um, your perspective and your worldview isn't always what people have as a worldview or their experience. So the, the hard part is to go, you know, you don't want a one-sided empathy view. You don't want to be like, here's the, I have empathy, but it's always through, you know, my perspective of the world oh, that's not going to help you in yeah. business because a market's only made up of a certain percentage of yous, you know, the you of the world. Yeah. So you got to, you have to do the due diligence and just put the time in to learn how to think of other cultural experiences and what they're caring about. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of conversations with people, if you're talking with them and you're learning their story, it, then you can start to identify, oh, okay, this is where the pain is for them. This is why they're frustrated or what they care about, you know? Yeah. So and then you can put that empathy into so. so determining those pain points for a client or for a business or for your own business, right? Determining those pain points and like developing that. I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, is like practically from a small business standpoint, like especially in the type of climate that we live in now, like I feel like it's very divided. You're either left or you're right. You're, there's nowhere in between. And I feel like empathy almost is like a, is, is that in the in between? Is that- no, it's understanding the other side. I think it's under, it's putting yourself in their shoes and, and trying to understand how they get there hmm. or got there. You know, like I can understand when you're talking like left and right, I can understand how the right gets somewhere in their thought processes or the left like I, I look at it both ways sure. just cause I put myself in one or the other doesn't mean that I don't understand both sides of it. And you, you learn to understand the situations or the logic that somebody has in their situation. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's an extent where you will never fully understand it, but you can mm-hmm. at least understand it enough to hear what they have to say and, and to look at what they're going through. I guess what I'm, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm asking though is like from, you know, what, I don't have to change my beliefs just mm-hmm. because I have empathy for That's, something. Mm-hmm. Right, like right. I don't have to change who I am. I just have to be open and willing to understand where they're coming from, from their perspective. And not necessarily and not, try to change the Yeah, yeah, and be perfectly <laughs> happy with them being in that thought yeah. process. Yeah. So then applying that to a product or a service, it's saying, you know, as a business owner, I have a product that is going to is going to be a solution. I think it's going to be a solution because I figured out like, I don't know, whatever. People are going to want a pencil to write on their iPads. Like I figured out that this is my product. I'm going to bring this yeah. to market. Mm-hmm. But then and what empathy does to OJ in my mind is, is it goes, you have a pencil, let's say, instead of talking about the technical aspects of the pencil, you're talking about the effect of the pencil in one's life, the ability for that pencil to express a dream or to write a memoir or to sketch mm. your child or mm-hmm. to, you know, that's empathy, right? It's, yeah. it's saying, what is the effect of my product on humanity? Ah, yeah. you know, and, and okay. Yeah. 
this is where this is where I, I was trying to get us to because this is what I'm talking about. Like, and it's you know, obviously because we're storytellers. Like that's what we do for a living. Like that's exactly what we're trying to get to. Is we're mm-hmm. trying to tell that story, whether it's a product or a service. We're trying to get to a point where it's saying, you know, and I'm just trying to think of good examples. I, Apple does an amazing, a, an amazing mm-hmm. job at this. Mm-hmm. They've been, they've developed a, a concept where they don't ever have to necessarily show a product in any of their advertising anymore. It's about the lifestyle. And people yeah. know exactly as soon as it hits the screen. Everybody knows it's an Apple commercial, right? Because it's because you, you know, it's that it's the way that they present it or mm. whatever. Yeah, well, and I think it's it's a natural. Like, you know, when we we make ads or commercials and stuff, and and the client tends to want to put all, every little technical detail in it, like this thing's packed with this and that and that. And I'm like, nobody cares. Yeah. Like it, it's a vacuum. It works. It sucks. It sucks up the dirt. Right. You know, like, so how is this going to help them in their everyday life? Right. Is it going to get stuck? Is it going to, you know, like that kind of stuff, it's going to you know, change something too with that Christian is the, uh, uh, the advent of the influencer. Yeah. Changed everything. Didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because you, you had, Back in the catalog era, what did you have to do? You had to talk about your widget. You had to talk about yeah. the specs and the specifications. Now in the influence world, it's not that. Yeah. It's purely like it's it's that the effective in your life. You know, this mm-hmm. changed my life because of this. It's very it's very like testimonial driven if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. Um, if it's done correctly, it's very powerful, right? Yeah. But also it can be very thin. I mean, the the problem too is is our our you know, the the culture we live in is becoming uh, more and more, uh, what do you even want to, how do you say this? We're evolving. Mm-hmm. And, and back in the day, and this is before you guys did like stuff on the web, but you know, banner ads on websites and all that kind of crap. There was something called banner blindness. And I feel like there's going to be an influencer blindness, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's just so much of what we've got right now with influencers, you know, saying, Hey, buy this because it changed my life. There's going to be a pendulum where all of a sudden you might have some required you know, details that help d- differentiate a product. So, sure. but you got to do the fine balance, right? Because we don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to go with the pendulum because the pendulum is going to date you really fast. Cause if you're, if you're pushing all your story one way and then the pendulum starts swinging, you want to get ahead of that, right? You want to be ahead of the pendulum before the buyer buys that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where Apple's done a really good job, right? They've always kind of stayed ahead of, how people are buying and thinking because they had to, they, I'm sure they do a ton of research. Yeah. Um, but I think with, with the empathy piece of it, as long as you have that leading you, mm-hmm. you know, how you connect that product through empathy to the individual, um, I think can shift and change as the market changes and, and they want more detail or they want more story and narrative, you know? Um, yeah. But to say that story and narrative is the only way is, you know, to back in the day in the catalog era, say, well, specifications is the only way, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not the truth. It's just not. It's mm-hmm. just how people are today are consuming decisions. They're they're making their decisions based on, you know, their social influence world that they're you know sucking and consuming into their mind. So we talk, uh, but I do. I do yeah, our job as a company is to get ahead of that. You can't you yeah. can't just say now story and narrative is it because that's not that's not how everybody works. Because you have analytical people. Yeah. Right, who, who they need to see the details. They they can get moved emotionally, but they're not going to buy until their their analytical side has been, you know, 
stimulated. Satisfied. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up the pendulum thing because I've been thinking about that a lot recently with like just trends in general. You know, the the fastest way to get behind is to chase a trend. And, uh, you know, you think about a pendulum has these two points and you can swing hard this way or this way, but it never goes past this and it always goes back. Right. So when you stay in here, you're technically always ahead of the game some one way or another. And you think about it in, in simple terms, like a lot of very, very uh, wealthy business owners, or you think about like Steve jobs or whatever, they simplified things in their life to not chase one thing or another. So like, even if you think about what Steve jobs were the same thing every day, right? Mm. Because he took the, the, the trend swing out of the equation. He's like, I'm not going to be influenced by this. I'm going to just go in my closet, grab my same outfit. And then I've saved this part of my day, my brain, my life and put it here. And I think that whole philosophy works in this, this world of trends where you can stay blended to an extent and start to push one way and push ahead of it. And then when you start to push back the other way, you're ahead of that curve. And, um, yeah, I just think about that a lot because you, you look at influencers or the trend, even the trend of influencers, like you were saying is like, there's, there's kids in high school that what they want to do with their lives is be an influencer. And so you just see this big trend of all these people running this way and trying to attain this. And by time they get there, it's already going to be the other way. Well, you know, that's what I was, I was going to add that too. Like we've talked a lot in this season of be original that about the influencer. And I think, we've talked a lot of good things about it, but I, I do tend to think that more as we've, as we are evolving as a society, we're going to become less and less trusting of those people because we know, because we're getting smarter. We know (laughs) that they're doing it for a paycheck. They're not necessarily living the brand. They're not necessarily living the product. They're not necessarily even using them, using the product most of the time. Yeah. They're just getting paid to advertise for it. So that's right, where right. I... F- but now, to, to that point, I mean, here's, here's just so on the money, man. Um, who the influencers are in my mind are the micro-influencers right now yeah. in today's world, right? Because yeah. the, the, the big, you know, million follower influencers, everyone's like, yeah, I follow you because you're fun to watch. Yeah. But the ones you listen to are who? They're the ones who have maybe 1,000 to 20,000 followers mm-hmm, who sure. are doing what you guys are doing right where you are you are talking directly to your peers you're yeah. talking to your colleagues and you have tried a product and it and it didn't work well and you're going to give your thoughts on it yep. and i'm going to trust you because you're in my tribe oh, right? yeah, yeah that's like, good it's that tribe mentality where it's that so those, those those micro influencers i think are the future of marketing and there's these i think we're going to see this is my personal opinion uh, a bigger movement of these platforms that let you find micro influencers yeah and i think there's going to be uh, and it's going to be good on two two fronts for for a season. And it's these big big influencers who are just monsters charge way too much, and they're not worth it. Mm-hmm. They're not worth it. They think they're worth it, but they're not. Yeah. You have these micro influencers who don't understand their worth, and they need to get paid more. Yeah. Because That's they true. need to build their 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 you know their voice and all that stuff. So I think there'll be these platforms, and there's they're out there now, but it'll help you as a brand find those micro influencers that they can speak to their tribe. Well, you're not going to make, you know, $100,000 out of their, their their little tribe. If you have 100 of those, then you can start to see that that trend up. And yeah. by the way, if your stuff is on 100 micro influencers, 
versus just one influencer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would rather have that as a brand because all of a sudden I have a saturation effect, right? Like all of a sudden I'm bumping into all these micro influencers. I'm like, holy crap, everybody's talking about this product. Yeah. There must be something with that. Right? There's, yeah. a, there's an versus actual it, culture shift yeah. that comes with that. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're making a huge difference. That's so true. And it's funny because you actually said this to me. I must have been 16 or something when you said this to me. But you talked to me about we had a whole conversation about how balance is like one of the most important things in life. Like the extremes at times are okay, but there's there needs to come into a balance. And and I think about that all the time. You know, we think you look at um, just the the balance of of trends or using micro influencers and things like that. We recognize that, yeah, maybe, maybe people are trying to grow their influence or grow their community or their following or whatever it is. But chances are there's a, there's a sense of authenticity that goes along with that, with a micro influencer that you're not necessarily going to see with somebody that has a million, 10 million followers you know what i mean they're still grounded they're still down to earth and maybe that's not even their sole goal like like for us of course we'd love to build a following you know what i mean that like no brainer you everybody be would be fine with a following <laughs> to an extent yeah. but that's not the goal of what we're doing the goal of what we're doing is to learn and share information right mm -hmm. so like that's why we spend the time finding good guests and spend the time having the, doing the podcast and having conversation because there's value in that, you know, other than just us saying, here's Luke, he's, you know, an expert in this area and trust us because all of you follow us, you know, <laughs> you know like, like this is, it's yeah. more of here are everyday people all trying to do the same thing and find that balance, find that their path forward, find the next thing for their lives. And, you know, it all comes down to a point where we're all just trying to accomplish something and have some sense of purpose and have um, some sort of growth and feel like we're moving forward in a direction rather than sitting stagnant. And I think that yeah. comes with that micro influencer mentality. Like, you know, when you have a thousand to 20,000 followers, you're not puffed up and you're not detached and you're not, you know, it just, it just feels different. Yeah. It, it it's now, it's now just the regular Joes that are t are speaking to it. It's not like these guys have full time jobs. Like they're doing this as a side hustle. They're doing it because they go on. You know, they like to travel, so they're taking really cool pictures while they're traveling. Yeah. Type thing. Like yep. it's a very different, uh, very different dynamic than what the influencer market is currently. I guess is what. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, for the agencies out there who might be watching, who their job is to help their client. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is you've got to help them not be reactive, mm -hmm. not go, hey, I saw this brand do it, this, or I read this article or watched, listen to this podcast. And now I want to implement that into my business. You could, you know, uh, as a consultant or a service, you, you service provider, you need to slow down and just say, that's cool. That's great. Tell me why you think that's working, yeah. why that could work for you. Oh, okay. And then what you have to do is you have to listen so they feel heard. Right. You can't just ignore them because if you just say, no, no, let's talk about this. They're going to be like, you know, screw you. You're not listening to me. Yeah. You have to listen to them and then you have to deconstruct the why you got to get down to that singularity is what I call it. And then you go, now let's rebuild what a campaign could look like knowing what we know today, mm -hmm. because that methodology that you picked up might have worked 
four years ago because of certain circumstances in, in the social world or uh, the, the new trends that were, were happening. But now, like we just talked about the micro-influencer, it's different. Case in point, I'm building a, a company right now in a product. We're bringing it to market. We are going and finding a megastar. We are. But that megastar is the... Uh, it's kind of like the trust in the, the marketplace, but my go-to-market strategies in the micro-influencer world. Mm-hmm. And the micro-influencers will get on board quicker because of my megastar. Yeah. But I know my megastar, while they're going to crack open the market, I'm going to dominate the market underneath. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to dominate really well because the micro-influencers want to be attached in name to the bigger brand. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. what I'm doing is I, I'm going, hey, now I know what's going on. I see, I'm, I got to get uh, five steps ahead. Now that I know that I'm five steps ahead, what does it look like to build a campaign up for social influence? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it looks a little different, you know, and, and every time you do it, it's going to have just a, just a little bit of a different angle to it or yeah. different activation or, you know, a story that, uh, a way the story's told, it's, it's done a little different, you know? Um, your job though with your clients is to stop them, listen, and they go, okay, let's pull that down. And why, why is that working? Or why did that work? And okay, now we know your product and we know your customers. How could we take some of those concepts or those theories and test those out and mm-hmm. see if they work? And then if they work, then we can start to build a more robust campaign around it. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's good. That's great. Really good. <clears throat> well, um, the way we've ended every other talk with our guests is we like to take a couple things um, away from our time together. So I don't know, this is, I'm going to put you on the spot, but if you could just come up with two, one, two, three things um, that we can take away from this or that our audience can take away from this talk uh, and actually implement in their own business or in their own influencing, whatever it is that they're doing, uh, what, are, what, what are those things in your mind? I, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, what, what we talked about either. I mean, it could just be based on just your practicals. experience. Little couple practicals for yeah. people. I, I'd say have curiosity in life because curiosity will help you find out why something works, um, why a product solves some type of a pain point, um, which will help you be more original in your product and how it connects, right? So um, that curiosity lets you try things you know where you wouldn't normally try it gives you the courage and the bravery to try um yeah and then and then in that curiosity have that empathy you know for your customer or whoever you're trying to you know solve the pain point for and and then slow it down and don't 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 do something because someone else did it you know Mm -hmm. the curiosity lets you analyze it break it down deconstruct it and then go okay now what elements make sense with what i'm doing yeah um and then the curiosity lets you test I, yeah, I always test stuff, you know, I try to get a minimal viable product and get it into the market as quick as I can test as tested and fail cheaply as I can, which is such a cliche thing, but it works. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, you, when you got your money on the line, when I'm putting money on the line, I don't want to lose it. You know, yeah. I just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just put, I did that once. I put a quarter of a million dollars into a product that didn't connect with the marketplace. And I'll never do that again. You know, yeah. I lost a lot of money. Yeah. Not going to do it. Just not, it ain't happening anymore, man. Yeah. You, you do it once, you're like, screw that. Yeah. Know, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, so, but that curiosity lets you, once you kind of get it down to that singularity, you can just test it, you know, and, 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 and then once you start to get a feel for it, it's, it's like art, you know, and I'm, I'm more of a creative, so I have some of that to me where, you know, when you guys, you guys are musicians, right? When you're playing with the band and you're playing with you guys, 
and you you hit this riff right and all of a sudden things start clicking and you can just feel where the music is going right mm-hmm. you can yeah. just yeah can you sense it you're just like oh yeah that you could just feel that yeah business is the same way yeah. when you start to to get those those that curiosity and all of a sudden you're like oh, all right i'm getting the groove and you can feel where the product's going and how the market's going to buy it and uh it's that same thing it's like creating jazz it's like you got to listen and have that openness to what's going on and what others are doing but the curiosity is what lets you get the real truth out of what happened yeah and and then you can apply that to your your area so i love that that's good that yeah, was yeah. really good it's funny because i actually had that same conversation with my daughter this weekend uh she wanted to play catch with me it's funny how musicians we will uh will relate everything back to the pocket yeah and (laughs) she was learning how to throw the ball and i'm like it's like music honey you have to feel it like it's a rhythm everything's a rhythm happening as you're throwing the ball so yeah anyways i thought that was funny um luke needless to say you've obviously had an impact on mine and christian's life for a very long time you've been uh you've been a pretty awesome friend and i'm sorry that we don't get to see you uh anymore or hardly ever but hopefully now that we've done this we can yeah we'll have to change that spend some time together. come up you're, and visit. you're not that far away really <laughs> like when it's all said and done <clears throat> but uh it's true it's true thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us we really appreciate it yeah 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 i love man and uh, best of luck to all who are listening you know have fun. Have fun with you, with what you do. <laughs> That's awesome. So. All right. Well, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Be Original Podcast. Be sure to like, comment, share, hit that bell, do all of those things, follow us, and be sure to check out all of our episodes. You can check them out on YouTube, all of our recaps on IGTV. We love you. This means the world to us that you take the time out of your day to do this with us, and uh, we will see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks again for checking out Be Original with Isley Creative. We hope that this helps you put a little more you in your marketing. Catch a new episode every week right here on the Be Original podcast.